Hello, 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 and welcome back to Netflix, Coffee, and Questioning Humanity. Hello, hi, 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 hi. I wanted to give another little Halloween episode funsies, and I figured I'd keep it kind of simple, but put my spin on it. I want to give you Halloween movie recommendations across multiple streaming platforms that aren't Hocus Pocus and Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, been there, done that, right? Those are wonderful, spoopy vibe movies. No doubt about it. I love those movies. But if you're looking to spice up your Halloween vibes a little bit, keep it right here. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content. Definitely will be discussing explicit movies, and I will be using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Now, on with the spoopy show. I got the Halloween special at Dunks. I don't know if it's actually like a special, but it's a special sort of twist on the Dunkies. It's the peanut butter cup macchiato and holy shit, is it yummy. It comes with the little spider donut guy too. I didn't know that. Well, at least my Dunks does it. I don't know about your Dunks or how much they like you at yours, but mine wasn't at any extra cost. It was just a part of it. The drink is like orange and brown. You know how macchiatos are separated like that. I'm gonna post a picture on the the pod's Instagram so you can see it. It's creamy. It's sweet. It's an entire bag of Halloween candy. The donut is pretty straightforward and simple. It's an orange frosted plain donut with little legs that they colored on it and they use a chocolate munchkin in the center to look like a spider. I love it. It's a nice sweet treat and macchiatos, I'll be honest, they annoy me because I like my shit mixed, you know? But this tasted very good, even separated. I'm super fucking sugar high. I'm hyphy. Let's be hyphy together. Let's start with Netflix, of course, because that's the title in my podcast. And people yell at me when it's not Netflix themed. I'm like, I'm sorry. I want to venture out. And I'm going to be honest right off the bat. Netflix does not have my favorite Halloween options, but I have two big ones that I'm going to get into and rapid fire titles that I can give you as well. So you don't get mad at me. My favorite hands down on Netflix is Vampires versus the Bronx. I talked about this last Last Halloween when it originally came out and it's still one of the best Halloween movies on Netflix if not the best Halloween movie on Netflix. Skim Milk Synopsis. A trio of friends discover a sinister plot to destroy their neighborhood. They decide to band together to save their town from vampires. It's a super fun and easy to watch movie. It has a very obvious deeper message but they get that message across in a really cool way. It's PG-13 but I think it's pretty chill for older kids that are okay with some violence and suggestive references. Obviously, as a parent, that's your job to decide, but I mean, you know, just my two cents. For someone looking for some not-so-light Halloween watching, I'm gonna recommend a classic that I'm sure most horror fans have already seen, but just in case, you gotta watch The Strangers. Kristen and James are expecting a relaxing weekend at a family vacation home, but their stay turns out to be anything but peaceful. First, a mysterious 
mysterious and dangerous woman arrives at the door while James is out on an errand. When he returns, he accidentally kills his friend Mike, mistaking him for an intruder. And then the real danger shows up in the form of three masked torturers, leaving Kristen and James struggling for survival. It's definitely a pretty typical horror film, but there are two things for me that make this film stand out and make it ultra fucking creepy. One is the fucking music. The music is unreal. I know that doesn't seem like something important, but if you watch a horror movie without all the sound effects and the music to set the tone, it is not as good. Music is so important and they did it so well in this film. The second reason and the biggest reason is the realisticness of it all. It's humans torturing humans and you feel like this could happen to you because there is no motive aside from because you are home. Oh my god. So creepy. It's certainly one of those thriller horror films too. I've seen this movie a few times and when I rewatch it I'm still tense and on the edge of my seat. It's also based on a few separate real-life events. According to novice writer and director Brian Bertino, The Strangers is primarily based on three alternate real-world events. The first is the infamous series of murders committed by the Manson family in 1969, later nicknamed Helter Skelter, as we discussed in my Cursed Films episode, which were organized by Charles Manson in an ill-conceived bid to start a race war. Specifically, the home invasion and the killing of actress Sharon Tate stands out as a clear marker for The Strangers' artistic direction, with its gruesome night violence and drawing close parallels to the stabbing at the Tate home. The second inspiration for The Strangers is the infamous 1981 Keddie Cabin murders, in which four people were killed in a small California resort town, including Sue Sharp, her son John, daughter Tina, and John's friend Dana. Disturbingly, the motive for those murders is still unknown, as the Keddie Police Department never caught the real-life killer or killers, and the case remains unsolved. The third and final slice of real inspiration for The Strangers derives from Bertino's life experience. As a child, Bertino recalls a night his parents weren't home and someone knocked on their door asking for someone who didn't live there. In a reverse of The Strangers, Bertino states he later learned that the people knocking were robbing houses in the neighborhood where no one was home instead of attacking people inside their houses. Still, the experience left an indelible mark on Bertino. So you enjoy that information have fun watching it. Like I mentioned, Netflix doesn't have my favorite selection of horror. It seems to be the same old shit. Like The Conjuring, which is one of the scariest ghost series to me. Don't get me wrong. It's great. And if you haven't yet dove into that universe, go ahead and do it. It's very entertaining. I have my issues with The Conjuring universe, but overall the films are very entertaining. But I feel like these are movies that everyone's seen over and over and over again. But I mean, Netflix does have the entire Twilight series, so that counts for something. That always wins points for me. But if you only have Netflix, let me rattle off some titles just in case. I don't want to let you down. In the Tall Grass, fantastic story, good twist. It was done by Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill. I talked about it last year. Great, spoopy, fantastic storytelling. Creep 1 and Creep 2 are amazing. 
absolutely fucking fantastic. It's found footage style horror. And Mark Duplass, who is also Chip in the morning show, is unreal. Unreal. But again, if found footage is not your cup of tea, if that shit freaks you out, you may want to skip this one. Cadaver is dope. Cam was nutty, but I thought that was really cool. His house was great. It comes at night. Jaws, of course, but we all know Jaws. Velvet Buzzsaw was strange, but it's kind of Halloween-y, I guess. If you're really looking for left field horror, it's very artistic. And We Summon the Darkness. That was one of my favorite horror films I watched last year. Probably one of the best horror films that Netflix has to offer right now. It was really fucking cool. If you're into like the craft, kind of, I mean, it's so different, but it's, It's got similar vibes in my opinion. It's just fucking fantastic. I love We Summon the Darkness. Moving into Hulu, the first Hulu recommendation I have is definitely Queen of the Damned. Such an underhyped movie, honestly. It follows the legendary vampire who has reinvented himself as a rock star in the contemporary American music scene. His music wakes the queen of all vampires, played by the queen herself, Aaliyah, and inspires her desire to make him her king. Akasha, the queen of vampires. Malevolent power is so great that all the immortal vampires must stand against her if they want to survive. Meanwhile, a young London woman with a fascination for the dark side falls in love with Lestat, who is the rock star. Okay, so let's be blunt about this. Let's be real straightforward. It's very interview with a vampire, which is totally fine. They do it in such a different and fucking cool way. The acting is mediocre at best, but Aaliyah carries the film quite well. The story is dope. Like I said, the style of the film is way fucking cooler. The music is badass. Like the music is really what makes it stand out. It's a whole fucking vibe. Lestat's concert, bro, iconic, iconic. It's not an Oscar worthy film film but it's special and it's got the spoopy dark vibes to it. The next film that I want to recommend, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it without spoilers beyond the synopsis, but I don't think I can. It's The Village, by the way, and it fucked me up as a kid. I think it came out in like 2004, so I was real young. I was scared, confused, mind fucked, all of the mind fucks. Let me just rattle off the synopsis really quick in case you're not familiar. An Amish-style community lives cut off from the outside world by the woods, in which they believe dangerous creatures exist. They have an uneasy truce with the creatures. If they stay out of the woods, they are left unharmed. When one of the young villagers becomes ill, the boy who loves her ignores the elders of the village to make a bid to the next town to fetch medicine. This movie is so creepy and so weird and needs way more love. So much love. If you like psychological horror with wild twists and turns, you need to watch The Village. And rewatching The Village is great too. Just in case you haven't seen it in a while, maybe you remember the twist, but I'm telling you, a rewatch is so worth it. On to Amazon Prime. I have surprisingly found some gems on Amazon Prime and they range in style. The first one I want to recommend is a great Korean film that is a cult favorite amongst horror lovers, The Wailing. This is a long one, and this is for someone who enjoys storytelling and a slow burn of horror. It's shot beautifully and also mind fucks you and um, doesn't bother to clean you up after either. It has some gore, and you may not think that it's horror for the first, I don't know, hour and a half maybe? Yeah, I said hour and a half. That's 
when shit takes off and it's long, like I said, but it does have gory moments. And when it's gory, it's fucking brutal. But it's definitely more focused on storytelling. Think of the wailing as a modern day exorcist. That's the vibe I got from it. Definitely really enjoyed it. But again, it may not be your cup of tea if you don't want to sit there for two and a half hours or something like that. The runtime is something crazy like that. The next film is Hatchet. And man, oh man, this couldn't be more of a different style of horror. It's another cult favorite amongst horror fans. And it has a holy trinity, Tony Todd, Robert England, and Kane Hodden, or Candyman, Freddy Krueger, and Jason, if you are unfamiliar. And this film is fantastically fucking awful. The director, Adam Green, was really adamant about no CGI, so the gore and shit that you see is done practically. And it's wild. It's so funny and so corny with just horrendous acting. Horrendous. Great Newberry Comics t-shirt the guy wears, by the way. I guess uh, Adam Green, I think, is from New England, and that's a chain of, like, uh, movies and CD stores, kind of like an FYE if you have that. And apparently Newbery Comics would buy his films and stuff before he got big. So he wanted to return the support and he put Newbery Comics prints in his films. So love seeing that. But yeah, these are some of the best horror films because they're just so bad that they're great. They're genius. It's set in New Orleans around Mardi Gras. So you see just as much titty as you do blood. Who doesn't love that in a horror film, right? But let me warn you now. Right now, you'll be ready to be all in. Like you're going to want to watch at least the second one right away. If you're into the first one. But don't bother. Don't, don't do it. If you weren't into the first, you'd be like, thank fucking God this movie's over. You would have turned it off way sooner. But the second film is not nearly as entertaining. It's quite fucking boring. And they recast the lead. I knew who it was right away. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil the ending of the first one. And the person who plays the lead had an eyebrow lift on one eye and not the other. And it distracted me to the point where I had to turn it off in addition to it being horrendous. Like the movie was horrendous. I couldn't get over the eyebrow. It was just a no from me, dog. But the first film was fantastic. Great, great, great. One of the best films I want to recommend, if not the best out of this whole list, is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The timeless classic. In Santa Mira, California, Dr. Miles Bennell is baffled when all of his patients come to him with the same complaint. Their loved ones seem to have been replaced by emotionless imposters. Despite others' dismissive denials, Dr. Bennell, his former girlfriend Becky, and his friend Jack soon discover that the patient's suspicions are true. An alien species of human duplicates grown from plant-like pods is taking over the small town. This film has been dissected in so many different ways. And some folks, in my humble opinion, read way too into it and believe it's this huge allegory for fucking communism or whatever. But the creators have said time and time again, it's just something they thought would make a good story, which it is, by the way. It's a near perfect film, a timeless classic. It's definitely more sci-fi than horror. Remember, this was 1955. They weren't doing, you know, super crazy banana stuff. But it still has the creepy Halloween vibes. I absolutely adore this film. I believe it is also on Shudder as well, but I'm not 100% sure. Definitely give it a watch wherever you can. Switching into Paramount Plus. My next title is just so beautifully horrendous. I had to share. It's called Big Top Evil. So what's Big Top Evil all about, you ask? Let me give you the skim milk version. 
Five friends who get lost on a road trip to the location of the infamous Mangrove Slasher end up being pursued by cannibal clowns. The acting? Abominable. The directing, cinematography, production, all of the above? Ghastly. The story? Fucking dreadful. Should you watch it? Abso-fucking-lutely you should. There's bear traps and gore, and you get to watch clowns nibble away at flesh. It's just unbelievable. There's a freaky deaky circus and delicious soup and flatulence. It's so fucking creepy and like the lowest possible budget and hideous. You could make this in your fucking backyard, right? It's so great. Truly, if you don't love those low budget bad horror gems, you won't give this five minutes of your time. But if you're a weirdo like me who finds that shit hilarious and disturbing, Big Top Evil is a Halloween must to switch up your mundane Halloween marathon. It's just really bad, so don't say I didn't warn you. Also, if you have Paramount Plus, watch Mother because it's fabulous and it's not really Halloween-y, but I guess it could be. But it's also a 365 days a year watch. One of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Jumping into AMC Plus. And when you have AMC Plus, that means you also have Shudder, which is the end all be all of horror streaming. The first film I want to recommend is titled Z. Just the letter, the last letter of the alphabet. It's a Shudder original and it seems like a pretty straightforward story. Kevin and Beth notice their eight-year-old son, Josh, has spent a lot of time playing with new imaginary friend named Z. What at first seems like a harmless relationship quickly turns into something destructive and dangerous. Creepy kid with an imaginary friend. It has all of the tropes and classic horror movie things you'd expect, and some might say this is a basic Halloween movie. But let me tell you, this movie is fucking scary. Gary, okay? The first what the fuck moment that happened, you, how do I even explain? You realize that the jump scares are not quite normal jump scares, okay? I was literally saying out loud, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, over and over in an absolute panic. It was creepy, man. I I can't lie. I can't act like I toughed this one out. I mean, I did, but I watched between my fingers at certain points. I was like not ready for the jump scares. I was covering my ears because, you know, the, the booms and the bangs and the ahs, they're so loud. They actually get you more than the actual scare. I did call the main twist pretty quickly. Like I, I knew what was actually happening. I got the bigger story. I got the, the underlying message, but it didn't stop the creepy crawlies, the jump scares, the demons, all of that got me. I really, really liked this movie and I was freaked out by it. Like I said, the overarching story and message is quite haunting as well and I appreciated it. And I'm gonna take this moment to bitch about the AMC Plus app. It's so shit. I used it on my Apple TV and I used it on my laptop, right? I search for things and it doesn't show up, but then we'll be right there when I hit explore all. The shit isn't in alphabetical order. It's a mess. The volume randomly stopped working as I was watching one of the movies. Just get a free trial or fucking, I don't know, do Shudder to watch these movies if you're just in it for the horror. Honestly, the entire interface, I guess you could call it, is just absolute dog shit. I was beyond frustrated because the content is amazing on AMC+, but I can't get to most of it. I really feel like all streaming platforms would be so much more successful if they added an easily accessible A to Z function. 
I don't care how many fucking titles you have. Give me the A to Z. Allow me to filter. Like, for example, on Netflix, they have a lot of foreign films. And maybe you don't want to watch a foreign film. Maybe you want to watch something in English. Or you want to watch something in Indian or Spanish. You can filter the language, okay? Just give me fucking all the options. I want to know everything I can watch. I don't want to just see the For You page that is not fucking curated for me. It's the same seven fucking films and shows that you want to push to everybody. I don't want that shit. Anyways, rant over. Next movie recommendation, Incident in a Ghostland. And I believe this is also a Shudder original. 16 years after a traumatic event, a mother and her two daughters reunite at the house where it happened. But soon their reunion starts to take a bizarre turn. This is a fast paced movie, man. Like you really don't have to fucking wait for the scares and shit. It was to the point where it confused me. I was like, okay, so all this happens so fast. Where do we where do we go? From? What's, what's going on? What is happening? The main thing I want to say about this movie is that it is just truly disturbing. If you can't handle that, whatever comes to your mind when you think of disturbing, you, just, yeah, just just know that this movie has it, okay? Please skip this if that's not your cup of tea. I'm pretty solid when it comes to horror films. Like I don't really let it hit my energy, but I felt this film bring me down quite a bit. It's very, very, very dark. I felt some of the jump scares in my fucking bones. It's agonizing and endless pain watching this endless, truly the worst. But I was hooked because I'm crazy. Once it clicks and you'll know what it is when you realize it, once you are fully understanding what is going on, it makes this movie so much harder to watch, but it also keeps you so captivated. It didn't click for me until way later. And normally I catch on very, very quickly. I don't get fucked up by twists. Twists get fucked up by me. Okay. Not the case this time. Uh-uh. I was holding my breath until the fucking credits rolled. Similar to The Wailing, this movie will fuck you up and not bother cleaning you up. Not even a little bit. In fact, you'll just bleed out by the end of this film because you'll be so fucking confused. Pascal Logier, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I apologize. He's the director and he's absolutely fucking grotesque in the best possible way. This film is visually beautiful to me. People may not agree with that, but it's just my personal take. And it's like I said, very painful to watch. It's very violent in ways that are, again, disturbing. It's extraordinarily visceral. That is the only word I can use to describe it. And it's not for everyone, truly. This is a dark, dark, dark movie. It's got some problematic eye-rolling tropes that you will know when you see it. But overall, for me, the story and the message is insane. It's so good. I think of this overall as a dark, gross fairy tale. And if and when you rewatch, if you can handle a rewatch, that is, go into it with that mindset and a lot of the imagery will make sense. If Invasion of the Body Snatchers was my number one recommendation, History of Horror with Eli Roth is easily my number two. 
masters of horror, icons and stars who define the genre join writer, producer, director Eli Roth to explore horror's biggest themes and reveal the inspirations and struggle behind its past and present. Hour-long episodes feature A-list storytellers like Stephen King, Quentin Tarantino, Jason Blum, Robert England, Linda Blair, Rob Zombie, Jack Black for some reason, but I'm here for it, John Landis, and Jamie Lee Curtis. All of these people discuss how horror has evolved through the years and impacted society, as well as how the genre maintains its fan base and why audiences are addicted to fear. This was everything I never knew I needed, and even if I knew I needed it, I did not know I could have it. A bunch of fucking horror nerds, prominent ones, talking about their favorite horror films and all the little details surrounding it. I could watch it on repeat every season, every episode, every day. I'm now listening to the podcast as well, so the episodes have like a mashup of all of these people talking about one specific type, like slashers or creatures or witches. And on the podcast, it's just that one specific person. My favorite is Quentin Tarantino's episode. He goes on for like two fucking hours. It's great. And like I said, they discuss everything from creature films, slasher, zombie, ghost movie, every category ever. And they're on season three now going strong. It's a must watch for horror fans. I highly recommend. On to Peacock. I have one traditional horror movie that's probably on your list already or you've probably already seen it, but it was so good that I have to recommend it. Halloween Kills. The nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Laurie fights through the pain as she inspires residents of Haddonfield, Illinois to rise up against Myers. Taking matters into their own hands, the Strode women and other survivors form a vigilante mob to hunt down Michael and end his reign of terror once and for all. I have been looking forward to Danny McBride's writing. Yes, Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down. His writing interwoven into this horror film for so long since I heard he was a part of the project. This movie had a blend of sick and twisted and hilarious little moments scattered to ease the highs and lows of the film. And that's my favorite type of horror film. I think comedy is so much better in horror films. I think the two just go together like good wine and cheese. This film was genuinely scary and it was shot so well. I was surprised. I was like, whoa, this is crisp. This is nice. If you haven't seen the original, you may be a bit confused, so I recommend diving down that rabbit hole first. I have mixed feelings about the sequels, but definitely watch the first beforehand. I know Rob Zombie took the Hitchcockian inspired original that had no blood and was more about the fear in your imagination and kind of shat on that with sex and blood and guts. And this film does that, but in a cleaner way, in my opinion. I loved this movie. It was so entertaining. The horror nuts that like to gatekeep are losing their fucking minds as they always do when anything new comes out. And then in 10 years, they'll be like, it was a fucking classic. People are so weird. It's the same thing with the Scream film, bro. Like, you haven't even seen the movie yet. Chill the fuck out. If you genuinely don't like it, that's fine. But if you're trying to be edgy and hate on it just to be fucking contrarian, you're a weirdo. I'm sorry. Find a hobby. Find a personality. It's giving Star Wars gatekeeping energy, and that's a no from me, dog. I'm gonna throw a controversial take at you if I'm describing you right now. The Star Wars prequels, they were fucking great. All right? That's all I'm gonna say about that. Moving on. HBO Max. Oh, the best streaming platform. I just, I love HBO Max. 
The interface is great. The movies are great. It's all just great. Easy to use, always quality content, easy to browse. I am just so much more appreciative of the streaming platform's actual platform. Like, like I don't know any other word besides interface to use. Now that I have experienced the absolute malarkey of AMC+. But I am excited to potentially get more people onto the bandwagon for the film Eraserhead. I'm gonna give you the description, but please know it won't help you when you watch. Well, maybe it will help a little bit, but yeah, let me just give this to you. Henry resides alone in a bleak apartment surrounded by industrial gloom. When he discovers that an earlier fling with Mary X left her pregnant, he marries the expectant mother and has her move in with him. Things take a decidedly strange turn when the couple's baby turns out to be a bizarre lizard-like creature that won't stop wailing. Other characters include a disfigured lady who lives in a radiator, inhabit the building, and add to Henry's troubles. This movie is made by David Lynch, and I think it's a beautiful, masterful film, but I am fully aware that this is batshit. Quite literally, the definition of batshit. And it's not for everyone. I think it's definitely worth at least one watch though, because if you are into it and you feel the art of it all, I think you will be absolutely mesmerized. It's very spoopy, but not typically spoopy. It's definitely Halloween-y to me though. It's dark and it's odd and it's cold and it's absurd and it's the most unique film you will ever see. I promise you that. You may hate it. You may say, what the fuck is going on in the first five seconds? But you will say, I have never seen anything like that before, for better or for worse. And for me, it was for better. I was absolutely captivated by it. So give it a chance. This is spicy. We're spicing up Halloween, okay? Not everything is going to be great. But if you love it, oh, you're going to love it. If you need another fun Halloween movie, a fun classic is Critters. When strange fuzzy creatures from outer space arrive on a farm, the Brown family, Jay, Helen, their daughter April, and their son Brad, must fend off the malevolent little aliens. Two bounty hunters with superhuman abilities follow the aggressive beast from beyond, but the warriors aren't terribly effective, leaving the Brown family to battle the furballs and rescue April from their clutches all by themselves. Even if you have seen this movie, because it is a classic and it's from like the late 80s, I think. It is such an awesome trip down memory lane to a much simpler time in film, a goofy spin on horrifying creatures and horror movies in general. It's just a fucking ball. It's so fun. They eat so fast you don't have time to scream. Ugh, it's just so great. I love Critters. And there's like a million of the Critters movies and they're all pretty good. Good in like a bad, cheesy, old school way. The final film I want to recommend to you is a beautiful and classy foreign horror film, Diabolique. In this classic of French suspense, the cruel and abusive headmaster of a boarding school, Michel de, de la Cille, my French is so bad, I'm sorry, becomes a target of a murder plot hatched by an unlikely duo, his meek wife and the mistress he brazenly flaunts. The women brought together by their mutual hatred for the man pull off the crime, but become increasingly unhinged by a series of odd occurrences after Delacier's corpse mysteriously disappears. This 1955 film is so spectacular and eerie. It's beautifully shot. The directing is superb. If you are a fan of Hitchcock and Psycho, this movie greatly influenced Psycho. Hitchcock actually wanted to make this film, but did not get the opportunity to. He was a massive fan, however. 
whatsoever. I love the, what would you call it? I guess ending credit. It was like a big ass message that basically said, don't spoil this shit for your friends, asshole. Which don't. If you see the movie, don't spoil it. It's such a good twist. If you are a diehard horror fan and especially a fan of the classics from the 50s, this is an absolute must see. I love black and white films. They create such a bleakness. And at this time when color films weren't super popular, obviously there wasn't an option, but I still think it was the best possible way it could have been shot. I wouldn't add color even if it was possible. Even today, I think black and white usage is purposeful. It's meant to create an atmosphere like The Lighthouse, for example. Oh, that movie was crazy. Definitely a great watch. Throw that on your list if you haven't seen it. It could be Halloween-y, I guess. It's spooky. More of a psychological spooky film, but still so, so good. See, Two Birds, One Stone, Diabolique, and The Lighthouse. I have no idea where The Lighthouse is. I think it's on Amazon Prime, but I'm sure you can find it. Thank you so much for listening in on my spoopy episode today. Because it's so close to Halloween, I wanted to spotlight two very important things that could be relevant for two separate groups of people. For those of you who like to rage on Halloween, I don't have a specific organization, but please have a designated driver. One drink is too many to drive. Please, I don't care how fucking lame it sounds. I know far too many real life horror stories about buzz drivers. If you don't care about yourself, care about the youth and the innocent people that will be on the road. Have a friend or family member be your designated driver and plan ahead of time. Check with your local area to see if Uber or Lyft offers free rides if you are drunk. I know Washington DC is offering free rides through Lyft for up to $15 on Halloween. Also, please be conscious of what's in your drink. There are covers for drinks to avoid someone spiking it. I know that this could sound paranoid to some of you, but I promise if they're creating products for covering your drink, there is a market for it. And I promise you that this happens. They didn't create a product for no fucking reason. Plan ahead of time. Please be safe. Don't drink and drive. And for the other group of people, my peoples with small peoples, please check out safekids.org slash Halloween. They have tons of tips for keeping your little Elsas and kittens and Roblox characters and baby Yodas safe. Things you may already know, but definitely some interesting uh, data and information on the website that even I found quite fascinating. And the only little people I have is a fur baby. And if you fall into neither of these categories, you're me. I did pre-record this episode because I will be having my surgery on the 29th, which means I will be in bed watching these movies and eating Reese's pumpkin. And the only thing we have to worry about is falling asleep with a tummy ache. Ugh, the boring millennial syndrome. That's what this category is called. However you are spending your Halloween, I hope it's awesome and be ready for my next episode to have me rubbing Christmas in your face or your ears or whatever, okay? Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay spoopy, and stay strong. <laughs>